When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it is time for your work, Christmas, holiday parties coming up. You're going to be having, you know, lots of get togethers with family and friends, and we want them to know exactly how much you love history. So, Jason, I think we have a solution for them. Oh, my goodness. Do we ever. Hey, this year we're working with Amazon and they are shipping out awesome designs that we have put together featuring presidents and some first ladies and other historical figures. You can find them at electioncollege.com slash Christmas. You're going to be the life of the party. I mean, people are just going to flock to you. And if you want them to flock to you, if you don't want to, then they won't. Yeah. The best part is, well, the best part is you get to help us out a little bit while we help you out. But the other best part is free shipping. You know how you sometimes buy a shirt and you're like, well, that's not a bad price for that shirt. I would totally pay that. And then it's like, oh, but here's $14 for shipping. Well, if you have Amazon Prime, it's free and it's in two days. I was giddy with excitement when mine arrived on my porch. Nobody stole it either. Nice. Electioncollege.com slash Christmas. Election College episode 240. Reconstruction. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben, we've been talking about Lincoln and Johnson and Seward and Stanton, and we really haven't talked at all about Reconstruction. Kind of a big deal when you're dealing with this era. And how is this related to elections? Well, we'll get into that because people you may not expect to have been elected to federal office were elected during this time from the South. And this is an issue that really still plays out even into this day, because you go to some parts of the South and it seems like reconstruction may not have hit quite yet, but that's quickly changing. Yeah. And it, Reconstruction, you know, comes after, this is kind of obvious to most people who know history, but maybe not to others. Reconstruction came after the Civil War, and we are doing an episode or two on Reconstruction, but we haven't done an episode or two on the Civil War. And that is because the Civil War is just a giant monster that there's no, that's not our specialty. But Reconstruction plays into politics and everything else um, almost directly. So that's why we're kind of giving it a dive here. Yeah, I'm actually reading the book called President McKinley by Robert W. Mary. It just came out. Ben, you've got a copy of that book, too, from Simon & Schuster. And reading about McKinley's service in the Civil War 
and then his relationship with Rutherford B. Hayes, that wasn't that long ago. I mean, 118 years ago when he was president, but it's somewhat shocking to me about how close this is in our history to us. Definitely. I guess we can just go ahead and dive in. Yeah. So you have the South. It's devastated. All kinds of railroads, infrastructure, families, devastation everywhere. And how is the U.S. government going to get these former Confederate states to integrate with the rest of the union. That's one thing, but then you have the issue of their main source of commerce, economy, all of that hinged a lot on agriculture and who was agriculture. How did that prosper? Well, it was on the backs of African-Americans who were enslaved. So it's a complex issue because you've got a bunch of poor white people, a bunch of poor African-American people. You've got white supremacists. You've got carpetbaggers. You've got scallywags. And we're going to talk about all of them. <laughs> so Reconstruction really starts out by, you know, we, we need to know why Reconstruction happens and why the the government thought it was the country's responsibility to take place uh, for reconstruction to take place. And that's because they were going to reinstitute or bring back to those States that had then come back to the union, a Republican form of government. And, you know, we want those individuals to be reseated in Congress. We want the, um, the people who were in a part of the war uh, against the United States to be, brought back kind of like uh not quite pardoned but yeah maybe we'll pardon some of them too and, and eventually you know how that turns out but uh there's a whole lot of stuff that just needs to be addressed and reconstruction is kind of the best way to do it and the discussion actually starts back before the war even is over you know it 1862, 1863, we start seeing ideas of how how are we going to bring um, semblance of order back to the South? And, um, well, there's some ideas and there's a lot of different uh, legislations that are tossed around and everything, but uh, nothing really actually moves forward until after the war is over. So let's talk a little bit about the situation as far as the South goes. In 1861, the Confederacy had a population of about 835,000 people in the major towns. And by the war's end, 162 of these 297 towns were at one point or another occupied by the Union forces. So cities like Atlanta, Charleston, Richmond, and others, they had huge populations and they were just devastated. It's crazy to look at some of the photographs where you have the foundations of buildings and they look like they're okay, somewhat okay, but just the tops are blown away. 
you can actually go to a city like Columbia, South Carolina to this day and the state house in South Carolina, ladies and gentlemen, you have to go there and see the outside of the building because they have shell marks of where the union cannons just pummeled the Capitol. And you even have a statue of George Washington where he has a cane and they knocked off the bottom. The union troops knocked off the bottom of the cane and it's still there. And cities like that were just totally pummeled. Um, The urban areas really got hit. The rural areas, not so much. There certainly was devastation there, but it really hit the urban areas where it was striking was the railroads and not being obviously during the war, the union was trying to cut off travel and commerce between the different Confederate cities. Well, how are we going to build all of these railroads? How are we going to get supplies from one place to another? It's a huge, huge infrastructure mess. And you've got what, like a third or a fourth of the white male population gone. And families are not making very much money at all. Uh, Per capita income in 1857 was $125. And in 1879, it was $80. Ben, that is like more than 20 years. And you've got that kind of reduction. It's insane. It definitely is. You also have the newfound quandaries of how to allow African-Americans to work and live in the cities as opposed to being back on the plantations and acting as slaves. For many of them, you know, this is the first time in a city and this is the first time where they're able to actually actively seek out employment and they have to still get around on uh, transportation or walk. Uh, they have to um, learn how to what what buildings they're allowed to go in and everything like that because it's still obviously even though they're free it's still a very uh, prejudiced time against them so this creates you know all sorts of other issues and things that no one had ever thought about when you just have you know lots and lots of people who have um, never lived in civilization essentially before. Uh, who have only been able to live on plantations and under the care of other people or actually caring for other people, and they uh, they, they make their way into the cities, it just creates more of a, uh, well, an interesting <laughs> dynamic for sure. Yeah, and then politically speaking, we've talked a lot about the Democrats and how the Northern Democrats are so different than the Southern Democrats. Well, you have the emergence of factions in the Republican Party, where it becomes very well known. You've got moderate Republicans like Abraham Lincoln, who wanted to just kind of let bygones be bygones, sort of. And let's go ahead. Let's try to get the South restored as quickly as possible. Let's follow that mantra of malice towards none, where the radical Republicans were pretty much like, No, these people rebelled against the federal government and we need to show them who's in charge. We need to show them that slavery is an abomination 
and they're the African Americans need to have rights quickly and we need to do this without hesitation. There was also the matter of suffrage, of voting. And we're not even talking primarily first about African Americans and people who have historically not been able to vote. Uh, we're starting out talking about the people who were on the Confederate side. Uh, so just, you know, people who were part of the Confederacy and even not fighting in the war, but should they be allowed to vote? Should they be allowed to hold office? They've already proven themselves disloyal to the United States. So, hey, should they even be allowed in? And then, you know, then there is the question of, well, are all of these individuals who were slaves, uh, should they be allowed to vote now that they're free? Um, how do we get them in to the polls too? when a lot of them are not literate and of course there are you know there are white men who weren't literate either but nobody wanted to talk about that they only want to talk about the freedmen who weren't literate and you know this is uh this is a problem because then there's the issue of well there's only whites representing them and then if there's only whites representing them a lot of those whites are people who used to be slave owners so are there if they're citizens it's just a whole mess and you know this is why you don't have slavery to start with. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of secession, and then you put the states back in, well, how do you treat the seceded states? Because, well, you had one sitting senator who was from the South during Lincoln's first term, and that man was Andrew Johnson, who would become his running mate in the 1864 election. So lots to talk about here. <laughs> and, you know, I've never really given it too much thought, but you take a state from the South, the U S government never recognizes the fact that they were once not a part of the United States. However, that state claims that, no, we weren't part of the United States at that time. So bringing them back into the union, how are we going to address these issues? And then guess what? April of 1865 comes around. Lincoln, the Republican, is assassinated. He's got a plan for reconstruction that's going to enable states to quickly join back. We're going to allow free African-Americans these newly freed African-Americans to vote and to participate, to be elected to uh, represent um, districts from the South in Congress, which is an amazing idea that actually does happen. But then you've got Andrew Johnson, who emerges as the president after Lincoln's assassination. So before, whenever the, the war is going on and whenever Lincoln is still in office, Andrew Johnson, the vice president at the time, is really kind of hard-nosed about a lot of this stuff. He's saying we shouldn't be merciful. Let's hang the Confederates. Let's hang the rebels. Uh, let's not have any mercy on them. And then Lincoln gets assassinated. Johnson becomes president. And here he is. He pardons a bunch of different Confederate leaders. He pardons all the former Confederates. Uh, the only person who really stays in prison very long even is Jefferson Davis. And that's probably only because he was the president of the Confederacy. Uh, nobody got charged with treason, or at least nobody went to trial. And uh, 
one person gets executed for war crimes. And that's a little different even than uh, treason. That's usually something that's unmentionable in war, which, I, you know, it's weird to have war at all. But so Andrew Johnson is really kind of practical about the whole matter and, and continuing Lincoln's legacy, but he doesn't really include anything about former slaves. He doesn't include anything about their involvement. Uh, he isn't really interested in listening to some of the Northerners when they're talking about the, you know, the codes and the practices that were set upon these freedmen. And he, uh, he, he tries to move things forward, but he becomes more of a, a moderate than anything with his plan to to push things through. So the Johnson administration is basically at war with the Republican Congress for the duration of his presidency. If you remember, he was impeached and he only avoided conviction by one vote in Congress. So Johnson, not a very popular guy. But he really fell into line of what you would think a typical Democrat from this era would think. He was all about, well, the states need to take care of their own, and the federal government really shouldn't have any say into how we should approach the issue of getting African Americans the right to vote and to play a role in government. And society, for that matter. So, Johnson refuses to sign the Civil Rights Bill in 1866. And Congress says, oh yeah, we've got the votes. We are going to pass this legislation anyway. And the radical Republicans just were all up in his grill. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Um, they were like, you know what? Johnson, you do not share our values. Um, you are, you're not doing enough in the South to make sure that uh, equality is granted. And Johnson ignores just about every constitutional amendment that Congress and the states add to the Constitution. And we've got the 13th Amendment which abolishes slavery. The 14th um, guarantees U.S. citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the U.S. and also grants them civil rights. And the 15th Amendment says that the right to vote cannot be denied because of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Johnson wasn't a fan of that. Congress was. So that's probably the reason why we don't look to Andrew Johnson as the best president. Yeah, one of the reasons at least. Well, we've got lots more to talk about for Reconstruction, and we'll get into that in our next episode. But first, I want to remind you, if you're looking for an ugly sweater t-shirt, we have them. I know it's amazing that we have them. There's this need you suddenly have, and we can meet it. But we do. If you head over to electioncollege.com slash Christmas, we've got a bunch of different ugly sweater t-shirts for you to buy with historical figures mostly presidents and a first lady here and there but you should definitely check them out you'll be the talk of the town yeah and speaking of being the talk of the town we would love to hear from you on one of our social channels we are at election college on facebook twitter and instagram we could use a little love right now because 
well, somebody doesn't like us on Twitter, but that's okay. And (laughs) speaking of sharing the love, you can leave us a rating and review at iTunes. Even if you don't listen to us on iTunes, you know it. That's where all of the groovy podcast rankings take their info from. So head over to iTunes. You can do electioncollege.com slash review. It'll take you right there. It'll take you 23.6 seconds to hit the five-star button and give us a good review. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Talk to you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.